You look around you and you see all those kings. Call them presidents, prime ministers, or supreme leaders. Whatever the title, they are people in power. Who can stand against them? Who can bend them to their knees? Whose kingdom will outlast theirs? Hi, my name is Terence and I'm your host for Reading and Readers. Today, I review The Message of Daniel. His Kingdom Cannot Fail by Dale Ralph Davis. This is a commentary from the Bible Speaks Today series, a series with Alex Mottier, John Stott, and Derek Titball as the series editors. 173 pages published by InterVarsity Press Academic in August 2013. It is available for $14.05 in Amazon Kindle as of today's recording, but if you go to Logos for this month, June, you can get this book for $1.99. Yes, you heard it right. You can get this really good commentary for only $1.99. Just visit Logos and just click on the free book of the month page. And if you do visit the free book of the month uh, site, you will see the free book of the month and other nearly free books like today's. You may be wondering why I am not reviewing the free book. Instead, I am reviewing the nearly free book. And I chose not to review the free book uh, for a pretty good reason. Um, But anyway, let me just do a quick description of the free book because some listeners might need a bit more incentive to click on the download free book button. The free book, Justification, Five Views, is a collection of five essays on justification. Representing traditional reform is Michael Horton. Progressive reform is Michael Byrd. New perspective is James Dunn. Deification is Veli Mati Karkainen. Probably pronounced that wrongly, sorry. And uh, Roman Catholic, we have representing it, is Jared O'Collins and Oliver Rafferty. And uh, the format of this book is such that after a writer presents his position on the justification, the other four writers tell him how he is wrong. I mean, tell him where they agree and where they disagree. Uh, This uh, views and response format helps readers Uh, like you and me, see where the real divisions are between all these positions. I cannot stress how important it is to see the real differences because if I can loosely, very loosely describe it this way, some people are friends when they shouldn't be and some people are enemies when they shouldn't be. I have personally gained from such books like this, in this format for other subjects. And uh, if I ever needed to study justification with reference to the new perspective or deification or Roman Catholic, I would most certainly read this book. However, however, as of now, I don't feel a burning urge to do so. I did read a few chapters, but I was not interested to continue on. So this book is safely tucked away in my virtual library, ready to come to my aid when I need it. 
And another reason why I put it aside was because I really wanted to read Dale Ralph Davis's commentary on Daniel. So I have this really good commentary. I expect it to be good right here on my lap. And I just decided to read the one I want to instead. Now, who is, if you don't know yet, who is Dale Ralph Davis? Well, he was a pastor, he was a professor, and he has written lots and lots of books. Actually, I could give you more details because he comes with really strong credentials, he is really qualified, but I am not giving those details because which church he pastored and which seminary he taught and what are the titles and how many books he wrote does not adequately describe who this man is. I like how a Facebook group dedicated to Dale Ralph Davis uh, how they describe him. I quote, Dr. Dale Ralph Davis is one of the most readable and reliable expositors, commentators of scripture. He is a master at illustrations in preaching, expositing as well. Any of his books are a welcome read. End quote. Now, everything written there is true, yet it is still too bland. So let me describe him in my terms. Let me tell you how Dale Ralph Davis's writing has impacted me. In episode 5 of this Reading and Readers podcast, I mentioned that I, I only came to enjoy, not just enjoy, I only came to gain the confidence to read commentaries after I read Davis, specifically his commentary on 1 Kings. Since then, I have read all of uh, Dale Ralph Davis's books in the Focus on the Bible commentary series, uh, namely his commentary on Joshua, Judges, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 Kings, which I've already mentioned, and 2 Kings. So I, I like them so much that having bought the hard copies, I then bought the Logos soft copy versions of these same books, partly because I lost one of them. Uh, the story was that I had enthusiastically lent a friend First Kings. I told him, you must read this book. He must have misconstrued my enthusiasm, and he took the book as a gift. So it's now a gift. And I got the Logos versions just in case I ever gift uh, Davis's books to my friends again. Now, my enthusiasm explains why when I saw that Davis's commentary on Daniel was priced at $1.99 in Logos, I didn't think twice. I am at this moment in time tempted <laughs> to say that uh, Davis is my favorite author, but I might have to retract that one day. <laughs> so just to be safe, I'll say, safely say that he is one of my favorite authors. And if you stick to the end of this review, I hope to make you a Dale Ralph Davis fan, perhaps big enough of a fan to even join his Facebook group, which I will do so straight after I publish this podcast. But you don't want me, you don't want to hear me raving on and on about him. What you want is to know more about the book. So here we go. Structure-wise, the message of Daniel begins with the series preface. The editors, Alec Motier, John Stott, and Derek Titball, intend that the Bible Speaks Today series be, I quote, characterized by a threefold ideal. First, to expound the biblical text with accuracy. 
Next is to relate it to contemporary life. And third, to be readable. These books are, I'm still quoting here, these books are therefore not quote-unquote commentaries, for the commentary seeks rather to elucidate, elucidate the text than to apply it, and tends to be a work rather of reference than of literature, end quote. Now, take note on the word readable and literature there. I'll talk about that uh, in this episode, in this review. Now, following the uh, editor's note, we then turn to the next page and we read the author's preface. And, our, and here we get our first words from Dale Ralph Davis. His first words here hint at the tone he brings to this book and to all his books. I quote, There are a number of good reasons not to write an exposition of Daniel. For one thing, Going into print on the book of Daniel makes it too easy for readers of whatever stripe to assign one's lot among either the cooks or the nincompoops. The book is an interpretative minefield, interpretive minefield, and wherever one comes down on various questions, he is sure to disappoint people. One fails to take an quote-unquote obvious view here, or finds the data too uncertain to take a quote-unquote firm one there. However, with a kind invitation from Alec Mortier, it seemed only right to overcome reluctance and begin. I felt it was like eating my oatmeal. It would be good for me." End quote. Despite the editor's rejection of the commentary label, I'll stick to describing this book as a commentary because the structure follows a commentary. We have 14 chapters that track the 12 chapters in the book of Daniel. Now, speaking of structure, it was Davis who taught me so many years ago to appreciate the literary structure of a biblical book. Before Davis, I already knew that structure was important. Anyone who ever wrote an essay knows that structure is important. But after Davis, I don't just know that it's important. I desire to really know the structure of what I'm reading in the Bible. If I don't have it, I went searching for it. I want to get it because Davis has impressed upon me the importance of the literary structure. It's uh, kind of like when soldiers operate in an unfamiliar territory. Knowing how to shoot is important, <laughs> but navigating more so. If you know the land, you can ambush, defend, forage for food, or vanish like a ghost. If you don't know the land, you waste time and energy going around in circle, never reaching your goal. Now with Davis, you will always know the lay of the land. In the introduction, Davis shares the big structure, the big bird's eye view of the book of Daniel. In fact, he, he gives us more than, that, than one. He, he shares three, three proposed structures. Um, and by doing so, he emphasizes that the complexity of this book shows that this is a book written by a single mind, let's say Daniel, uh, and it was not written by a committee, unlike what some scholars, critical scholars would say. Now, I must also uh, admit okay, and, and concede that every commentary will give you a structure. Every commentary will give you an outline of the book that is under study and, uh, and an outline of the various chapters and passages inside. 
But Davis is, uh, how do I say, unique, interesting in the way that he uses all sorts of tricks to get you to turn your eyes to see the structure uh, that is right in front of you. For example, in chapter 2 of, uh, of his book, he starts, I quote, Most of us probably try to avoid beginning a sentence with a conjunction. And I don't know exactly why, maybe someone along the way has told us it is bad form. End quote. In this uh, paragraph, which marks the beginning of chapter 2 of his book, he explains the significance of the conjunction, which is the word and in the Hebrew text. Uh, and notably, he started here five sentences with a conjunction but perhaps that humor is a bit too subtle and perhaps too nerdy for most of us. Uh, the point I'm trying to make over here is that he draws our attention to um, a literature feature, okay, a literary feature, and he enjoys wordplay, which is why I think that he is such a fun guy to read. And uh, let's look at other ways that he brings out the structure. Okay, So in chapter 2 of this commentary, uh, which directly corresponds to chapter 2 of Daniel. And in this chapter, we have King Nebuchadnezzar. He has dreamt a dream. He has challenged his wise men and court magicians to tell him what he had dreamt. And uh, Daniel appears to rescue the day. And all glory goes not to Daniel, but to God. Now, if you think that you are familiar with this story or any of the stories in Daniel, you know, you've been to Sunday school, you have read it. I mean, it is interesting. Wait until Davis reveals the structure. In uh, chapter 2, for example, he writes, I quote, We can break down chapter 2 into broad chunks. And then he breaks it down. And then after he breaks it down, we see that the focus is not the wisdom or bravery or, or um, even the prayer life of Daniel, it's not even the humiliation of Nebuchadnezzar, how he exalts God at the end. The focus, as uh, Davis shows us, is actually on verse 28. He tells us, and, and let me just uh, read a portion of verse 28, there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. So the focus of this section is actually the God who reveals mysteries. What mysteries, you ask? Now, where would be the fun in hearing it from me when you can read Davis's book for yourself? <laughs> but suffice to say, there are several mysteries in the book of Daniel. And if I was to spend my time just telling you about them, we would not be able to finish this podcast. <laughs> Davis makes you a better Bible reader, all right, by showing you the quote-unquote secret structure. It is not a secret. It's there in front of you. It's just that you never noticed it that way before. Uh, again, I, I give you another example. In chapter 4, he writes, I quote, Tracing the literary shape will help mentally organize a fairly long narrative. It develops like this. And then he develops the outline, after which you better understand the text. In chapter 8, he writes, I quote, The overall breakdown of the chapter is rather straightforward. It tells of Daniel's vision, and then he breaks it down for us in a straightforward manner. And we thank him for it. The way I can describe um, what Davis is doing is that, um, you know how great artists, how they understand anatomy? 
they understand how the body is structured more so than doctors. They, they have to in order to paint, to sculpture, and write Bible commentaries. What Davis does with the anatomy of the text is, oh, am I stretching it? It's a work of art. <laughs> but not highbrow art, you know, like those abstract paintings which you don't understand what's going on. It is very much like a work of art where you actually see things that you didn't know was there. <laughs> but it's right under your nose. Under his skillful hands, under his very skillful uh, writing, the structure is outlined and it doesn't just become a practical necessity. I mean, necessity in the sense that we need it for us, for, for us to navigate the text. It, it becomes a map of beauty. You know a beautiful map? You know those treasure maps? And then it's not just a very uh, practical map, all right? So it's a functional map. It is also an exquisite, a, a thing of beauty. And uh, it's not coming out of of uh, Davis's writing so much, but he does present the biblical text and its structure. And he tells us uh, what the writer had in mind when he wrote it. Okay? So he gives us the, what this chapter means and how this chapter links to every other chapter to tell us how does the whole book hold together. And this is all, uh, all part of the writer's intention, the original writer's intention, Daniel's intention. Which brings me to my next point. Mature Christians will rightly tell you that it's important to know what is the writer's intended meaning for the text. That is basic hermeneutics or biblical interpretation. Davis demonstrates it for us. Now let me share an extensive quote that gives you a pretty good idea of how Davis brings you into the biblical writer's mind. Now listen to Davis's commentary on Daniel 3 verse 1 to 15. Now here Nebuchadnezzar has set up a statue and has commanded the people to worship that statue. Let me quote from Davis. Notice the vicious verbs our writer uses. The very first line tells of the image the king made, Abad. And Nebuchadnezzar himself uses the same verb in verse 15. In fact, for an Israelite, Nebuchadnezzar's statement in that verse, now if you're ready to fall down and worship the image that I've made, sums up the theological asininity, like from the word asinine, <laughs> of the whole affair. To worship what someone made but the reader almost ducks under the machine gun-like occurrences of the verb come, which means set up. It appears nine times in verse 1, 2, 3, 3 again, 5, 7, 12, 14, 18, and always in reference to the image the king had set up. Swipe the users of that verb with your orange highlighter, then go back over the text, see if it doesn't seem as if a kind of cumulative mockery is at work. The image is a set-up job, as we say. The writer is telling you that it's no more divine than your knee replacement. End quote. And uh, later Davis comments on the people who obey Nebuchadnezzar. I quote, The praise band plays, and the crowd gets its backsides in the air and its noses in the sand, and enjoys job security. They felt they had no choice. They, quote-unquote, had to do it. 
there is a tremendous invisible coercion that comes from being among a whole mob of flattened worshippers. End quote. I find his commentary very, very amusing, very fun to read, and yes, I do laugh out loud as I read uh, what Davis writes. Would I be... Would it be too insulting to say that if Davis was not a professor, pastor, and a writer of Bible commentaries, he would have made, and he could still probably switch careers to become a Christian comedian. <laughs> now, uh, but for this book, for this book, if the book of Daniel was a movie, and Daniel, the director, then Dale Ralph Davis would be the YouTuber vividly describing what Daniel, the director, was doing in each scene. He will be telling you that this is how the director wants you to see these powerful kings. The composition, the way it is uh, taken, the way you, you, uh, it, the scene is projected is to tell you something about those powerful kings. And then in another part, he tells you this is how the director wants you to see those who put their faith in God. And then the director wants you to see God and his kingdom. So Dale Ralph Davis gives us a, a director's cut, can I say that? Or gives us the, what the director is trying to do in each scene. And it's very helpful. I must say it's very helpful because then the movie or the book becomes far more, um, far more interesting. I mean, it's already interesting in the first place, but you, you kind of like know more about the book and you know more about the writer's intent. I don't have the time to elaborate on Davis's masterful use of illustrations. Let's be honest. Sometimes illustrations in sermons or books simply overwhelm the message. But not so for Davis. His use of illustrations, to me, is perfect. His choice of illustrations, its length and placement, leaves you wanting more, which he then soon gives you more when he makes his next point. The illustrations that he uses are more often than not fresh and applied in a powerful way without detracting from the text. I really enjoy learning, reading uh, the, the anecdotes that he puts out. I mean, they range from sports to, uh, to military to politics to various uh, daily life sort of anecdotes. So it's really fun. Uh, let's talk about application. I also don't have time to elaborate on how he does his application. Now, as readers, we... Perhaps self-centeredly, we naturally look for what do I get out of the text, give me something that I can apply in my daily life. I think that is what most people, as they hear sermons or read books, that's what you, you, you automatically default to. And uh, this is another area, application is another area that preachers and writers can go way off balance. And they sometimes, they overemphasize on the application of the text that they unintentionally make the text become all about you. It's all about you. The Bible was written for you, and you are the focus. Now, in comparison, listen to how Davis tells us how to apply the text. As an example, I draw from his commentary on Daniel 6, which is Daniel's prayer. And let me quote, Kneeling in prayer is not a matter of indifference. It reminds you of your true position. It's as if you say, I am a servant. He is the king. I do not live in a democracy, democracy, but under a monarchy. 
He is not my errand boy. I never present my demands. I am always a beggar at the throne of grace. And though it is a throne of grace, I never forget it is a throne. End quote. Now, having said uh, very wonderful things about his illustrations and also how he uses application, the most praiseworthy quality of Davis's writing is... Now, before I tell you, let me remind you of the editor's intention for the Bible Speaks Today series. Okay, let me remind you. The series, according to them, is meant to be characterized by a threefold ideal. To expound the biblical text with accuracy, to relate it to contemporary life, and to be readable. That's it. Dale Ralph Davis's book is immensely readable. Now, take note that John Stott is one of the editors. I love John Stott. John Stott is very readable. But to me, and this is a matter of preference, so feel free to disagree. To me, John Stott is readable, but Dale Ralph Davis is more readable. If you are a John Stott fan, I imagine you rushing to object and rushing to protect John Stott's honor, and you will insist that I explain how I make the comparison. Now, I did not read all of their books, okay? I did not. However, I have read two, two only two, of John Stott's commentaries in, the, in this series, in the Bible Speaks Today series. I've read his commentary on the Sermon on the Mount and his commentary on Galatians. So when I compare two of John Stott's books against one of Dale Ralph Davis's books, which is the commentary on Daniel, now, all of these books are in the same commentary series. And I found that I like reading Davis. What I'm about to say next might get me into trouble, but never mind. Uh, John Stott is the guy you bring to impress your professors, <laughs> while Davis, uh, Dale Ralph Davis is the guy you bring to impress your friends. I don't think that Stott intended for anyone to laugh out loud while reading his commentary, but I know Davis did. <laughs> and you will, I hope, laugh out loud as you read what Davis uh, writes in, in, in all his writings, okay? Not just Daniel, but all the other writings. Now, the careful listener will notice that I have made much of Davis's writing. But come on, what about the content? I mean, tell me about Daniel. I mean, what I just said actually applies to all of what uh, Davis uh, wrote elsewhere. But I'm just taking examples from, from this book. So, but how about just assessing the content itself? Now, very importantly, uh, the Bible Speaks Today series is not a reference series. The editors have made that clear. And... Um, Let's talk about uh, Daniel. You know all the Daniel stories? Through Davis, you will understand how all those stories are linked together. You will see that they are not random stories collected into an anthology. The writer has an order, he has a structure in place to drive a specific theme, which is God's kingdom. And uh, how about uh, Daniel's visions? The statue, the tree, beast, horns, the ram, the goat, more horns. 
uh, Davis doesn't exhaustively go through the many possible interpretations. Okay, let's, let's get that straight. He doesn't have the space and he says so. He just gives us his interpretation and defends it on the basis of the text. And I think I, I agree. I'm not an expert on Daniel, but I've read a few commentaries uh, when I was preparing to preach on Daniel. And I think basically I am in, on, in the same place as, uh, as uh, uh, Davis over here. And that was before I, I read this, this commentary. So, yeah, so I'm happy that I'm, I'm in agreement with Davis. But let's talk about the really, really tricky passages, like the interpretation of Daniel 9, verse 24 to 27. It's the, if you flip through your, your Bible, you'll see that this is the one on the 70 weeks. All sorts of debates uh, on this uh, four verses. And Davis dedicates a whole chapter on these four verses. But in the end, uh, pun intended, in the end, that may not satisfy the professional doomsday student. And my advice to you is go read a different book. <laughs> this is not the book you are looking for. Uh, Davis will not uh, go through exhaustively all the various interpretations of the Daniel 9, verse 24 to 27. Um, there are other books. Um, you can look at Tanner. You can re look at a more technical uh, commentary that will do a good job in explaining uh, 70 weeks. But let me move away from 70 weeks. And if you don't know about it, uh, well, you can just go and read through it. But let me tell you one thing, okay? One important thing. If you are an average Joe who wants to understand the book of Daniel, what you really need is for someone to explain one chapter. And that one chapter is chapter 11. I say this because the average Joe already understands the story of Nebuchadnezzar's dream, the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel in the lion's den, the spooky writing on the wall, and so on. You already know those stories. Uh, Dale Ralph Davis will help you fill the gaps and connect all those stories together. Okay, It makes sense of the whole story as a collection. As for the visions of the bees, the horns, the ram, the goats, and so on, do you want to know what they mean? Of course you do. The images are so fantastical, it's just natural that anyone would want to know what the beast and the horns and the ram and the goat represent. Nobody needs to make an effort to make you interested in understanding those visions. So you're very easily incentivized to find out. And that's the difference with chapter 11. Chapter 11 is difficult to understand. It's a difficult to understand vision and it's not interesting. It's boring. We have the king of the north, king of the south, war, lots of war, but no details. No last stands, no heroism. It is a prophecy, a fulfilled prophecy, but nobody talks about it. Go ahead and look it up. Read Daniel 11. Has anyone preached this to you? Have you studied this passage before? Do you know any song, any song, hymns, modern songs that have been inspired by Daniel chapter 11? No. <laughs> yet, okay, yet. Okay, this is important. I contest that Daniel 11, I assert that Daniel 11 is the most important chapter in the book of Daniel. 
And I'm not just saying that to be contrarian. Um, what is written in chapter 11 is so incredible that because of this chapter, some scholars insist that the book of Daniel must have been written much, much later than the time of Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar, Cyrus, or Darius, the kings that Daniel served under. They say it couldn't have been Daniel who wrote it because if it was Daniel writing in the time of Darius, that means that, means that God has spelled out in great agonizing detail Read it, it is agonizing. <laughs> Events that will take place 300, 400 years into Daniel's future. It is as if God predicted the winning lottery numbers for 300 years. Okay? If God did that, you would want to know and you would want to know what those numbers are. But trust me, this chapter 11 is better than knowing the winning lottery numbers. If you get Daniel, you really understood it. The question of God's ability to foreknow, okay, to, un to know the future is conclusively, all right, just conclusively, no more arguments. It is put to rest, okay? There's nothing to subject to interpretation. That's the way you see it. That's the way I see it. None of that because Daniel chapter 11 just demolishes any argument about whether God knows the future. And in that same package, you also get the reason for God telling us the future. God tells us the future many times in the Bible. And here, okay, chapter 11, chapter 12, he explains why he does it to Daniel in Daniel's vision. Let those who have ears hear and those who have eyes see. Now, for you to see it, this Daniel 11, it helps to have someone who can give you a good map so that you don't get lost because it is very easy to get lost in chapter 11. You need someone who can get you into the writer's mind. And preferably, you hope to get someone to engage you with humor, confidence, and ease. Otherwise, you are going to feel exasperated reading chapter 11. And I can think of no one better than Dale Ralph Davis to be your guide. So... If you really want to know what is the book of Daniel about, I strongly encourage you to find out what is chapter 11 all about. Now, my final reflection is, all right, I, I, know, I know that I am hyping this book up. And the way I've hyped it up, perhaps, I mean, you're gonna, I'm setting you up for some sort of disappointment. <laughs> Uh, I have not been so exuberant in my praise for any of the books that I have reviewed so far. So I am very aware of that. And I just want to say right now, put up front, like I said, my enthusiasm could stem from the great debt that I owe to Dale Ralph Davis. Um, it is a great debt. If not for his commentary on First Kings, today I would be avoiding an entire category of books, uh, namely commentaries. Before him, I read other commentaries and they made me feel stupid. That was not the author's, those guys' intent. I was simply reading above my level. But after reading uh, Davis, I am the reader I am today. And it's not just, I'm not just a reader of commentaries. Thankfully, I can. Yay! But more importantly, I am a reader, a better reader of the Bible. So thank you so much, Dr. Dale Ralph Davis. Now, even as I recommend today's book, 
the message of Daniel, his kingdom cannot fail, um, which is available for the low, low price of $1.99 in Logos for June, which is demolishes any reason for you not to get it. I would say that if you are looking for a book by Dale Ralph Davis to start with, I would not go with Daniel. <laughs> I would go with either Judges or First Kings. And the reason is, Daniel is a more complex book, okay? It has a mix of stories and visions. It has uh, two languages, a Hebrew and Aramaic. It has verses that there is a source of great debates, and those debates will only end when the final horny man appears and Jesus blasts him with his breath. Basically, um, nobody will really settle the, the questions of the 70 weeks and related uh, topics. So it is a difficult uh, book in itself, Daniel. In contrast... Judges and First Kings is a more straightforward narrative, and Davis is in his element as a storyteller there, so I recommend that. And I have to stop here before I start reviewing those commentaries and give you <laughs> another 40 minutes or so. Um, so just want to say that uh, this is a wonderful book. Uh, the writer is uh, one of my favorite authors, and Daniel is a fantastic biblical book uh, to really understand. It is, can be challenging, so you will need a good guide. So get this book before the price goes up. This is a reading and review, reader's review of the message of Daniel, His Kingdom Cannot Fail by Dale Ralph Davis, 173 pages, published by InterVarsity Press Academic in August 2013. It is available for $14.05 in Amazon Kindle as of this recording, but if you go to Logos this month, the month of June, you can get it for $1.99. In fact, I am rushing this episode out so that there is a higher chance that you, my dear listener, will go and get it. What are you waiting for? Don't you want to know? Uh, don't you want the Bible to speak to you today? Don't you want to know God's awesome kingdom that will not fail? Isn't this why you subscribe to this podcast? So that you will not miss a good book deal? In any case, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Thanks for listening.